This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. It's time. Talk time. Let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter. Where y'all from? And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes. All can learn something new. Me too. I heard words when no faith is empty. I stayed the course, though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games. Come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the prime show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. We got some great news to talk about, some fun things to talk about. But in our talk topic of the week, I actually got a chance to watch Twisted Metal Season 1 on Peacock, uh, which is a surprise to me because I thought my uh, subscription to Peacock was ended with the... uh, ending of the relationship or partnership of uh xfinity for those who don't have xfinity there was a partnership between xfinity and peacock or nbc universal where every xfinity member would get a free subscription of peacock and i think they figured out like they're losing a lot of money on that streaming network so i think they parted ways with xfinity uh, so they can start making money for it. So they're going to start charging people for the content and they've actually raised the price of their content too. So, um, I thought that the, the, uh, end date for that was already due, but apparently I still have it. I don't think I'm getting charged for it. I just paid my cable bill and I don't think it, you know, added on to it, but I'll see. But nonetheless, I will say this, I will definitely say this Peacock has come a long way for like the content that they put in. It was kind of like, it was kind of like uh, Amazon Prime or Amazon Video, if I should say, because, you know, when they first started, people didn't realize that, you know, there was a streaming network 
that was included in their prime account in their prime subscription ergo we're paying 90 dollars for shipping that's the idea that a lot of us thought and then we come to find out that they actually have some streaming content but at the time it was like really diluted it wasn't that much to watch or show but over time they've built on their platform and now it's like one of the most premier streaming networks out there they got their own original content a lot of the original content is award-winning or award nominated um they also have you know a lot of free you know movies that you can watch as well so they've done themselves good peacock has done the same thing too they've acquired some really great content there they got bel-air on air they got wwe uh for you know those fans out there um not only just wwe but if you're a wrestling fan in general like i am because wwe owns the rights to all of the to like almost every catalog from the territory era they have all of the shows from old wrestling shows on peacock that they allowed uh peacock to you know stream on there as well they got a huge contract with wwe right now partially i believe maybe one of the reasons why they're losing money too because of how much money they uh they made they uh did with that contract and as much people like wwe they're not making off as much as they would like to with that company so but wwe is making off like a bandit <laughs> for them with that contract um so they have that kevin hart is also kind of have some exclusivity in there with uh, a lot of his shows that he's going in there so they've evolved greatly so i i can argue that they deserve a little bit more money for what they provide it's just a matter of are you gonna do that and you know there's a lot of people who won't be able to afford it because they're paying on hulu or disney plus or netflix or any of those other ones so and as i just discovered and i didn't think about this some people are actually pirating a lot of these networks because they can't afford it so you know it is what it is uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more when i talk about uh the subject matter of in uh, secret invasion because a conversation was had about the viewership of that and whatnot and we talked about that with uh i talked about that with boris just yesterday on the uh rambling rampage uh podcast that i you know did with him on uh on tsn network uh, tsn radio's uh sunday night's main event uh network over there so I was able, you know, we had that conversation, but I want to talk about uh, Secret Evasion, you know, in detail of what happened during that whole entire thing and what I thought about the entire season from that point. And the constant sabotaging of certain shows that, in my belief, are consisting of uh, minority and in, in, in female leads. So we're going to get down with that as well. We had other news to talk about, some other shows that we're going to talk about too. But um, you know, going back to uh, to Twisted Metal, we're going to definitely talk about that and see what I thought. Did it meet expectations? <laughs> oh boy, we're going to talk about that and much, much more. But let's not waste any time, folks. Let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG.
right, folks, we're going to start off with some anime talk. And I want to talk about Baki, Son of Ogre. Just came out this week on Netflix. The entire season uh, just came out. And here's an interesting thing that I'm noticing that they're doing with the Baki series on Netflix. They're just completely different shows, but also continuing the saga of Baki and what's going on. So each show, I thought they were all connected. They are in a sense in terms of story, but for some reason, they're separate. They did the same thing with Transformer with the Transformers uh, series. They separated three different, you know, series instead of just combining them all together. But nonetheless, this one called Son of Ogre is every bit as over the top, absurd, ultraviolet, entertaining, action packed that <laughs> you could expect from Baki series. If you haven't watched uh, Baki the Grappler, it this anime for those who haven't watched it. This anime dates back to the early 90s. I think like 89 or 90 to some extent. That's when I first saw the OVA and the original video animation of it. Um, and it was it basically is about a prodigy, a, you know, a kid who's a fighting prodigy at the age of like 14 or 15 or something like that. And he's fighting in one of the most darkest, deadliest underground tournaments in the Japan that's it's being held deep, deep within the floors and levels of the Budokan uh, arena in Japan. And only a specific amount of people know about this underground tournament, because unlike in the Budokan, you have wrestling, you got sumo, you got actual kickboxing or whatever like that, you know, regulated sports. But within the depths of the layer, the, these layers, goes a no holds barred anything goes ballet today if you will type of tournament where anything can happen and you can lose your life in this one let alone at least your limbs or whatnot it's just borderline insane the first baki had him fighting the core cutter and this dude was so dope that like his fingers can pierce through your skin and he knows how to you know take out your organs at any time, you know, just taking you out from there and you're just paralyzed. Trust me when I tell you, this is one of the animes. This is one of the early animes when people started tape trading and they saw this and this was like, okay, anime is not a kid's thing. It's a truly adult thing. This is something that you don't show to kids, at least not in America, because America don't know how to handle things maturely. We continue to prove that point as many times as possible but in japan a lot of a lot of people watch it they don't restrict kids to watch it because i guess they're mature enough to know that like you don't do this you don't even attempt to try to do some of the crazy things that happen because it's just uh, insane i don't know why we can't figure that out here but <laughs> nonetheless this is continued with a series that came out later on like uh and then like later in the 90s where it showed baki at the very beginning leading up to that OVA and it also introduced his father Yujiro Hamna who at one time I don't know now I don't know if now is the time because he's he changed over time with the new series but at one point he was widely considered by many otaku or anime fans if you will one of the most evil characters ever in anime because this dude was just ruthless. He would beat the living crap out of his son. And then on top of that, he killed his mother. 
and she he was very abusive like the yajiro hanuma is the devil but they call him ogre he is so strong and also he was always yajiro hanuma has always been compared or rivaled there's always been a just you know you know how everybody tries to do a what if fight uh, with superman versus goku well this is the other one this was the fight of who's the most evil and most powerful of them all is it yujiro hamna or is it akuma aka goki from street fighter because there's some there's a lot of similarities between the two characters these guys are insanely powerful uh insanely powerful martial artists if you will and just pure evil and if you watch the original baki series you will hate yujiro hamna by the end of the series and at that point you are waiting and waiting for the day that baki fights his father and takes him down it's been almost 20 years now and we still have not seen it the question is every time netflix now comes out with these series we're every hardcore fan of this anime have been waiting for like is is this going to be the season where we're going to finally see these two face each other they faced each other before briefly and yujiro kind of got a you know he got a, over on him but it's not the real fight like the whole premise the, the, the journey of baki is to become as strong as his father almost as ruthless as his father but at the same time baki has to not become his father in a sense of just being totally cutthroat and evil he wants to be as powerful but not without you know losing his sanity or losing his morality in this process so that's the journey that he has but every once in a while there's a new powerful enemy that he that you know a, a a gatekeeper a stepping stone if you will that baki has to face in order to be able to you know advance to the point where he's going to be that powerful here we go again this one is another one baki son of ogre again fighters from all over flock to japan once again to face a new powerful fighter from the prehistoric era i thought this was pretty cool and, and original at this point it's probably one of the most original stories that i have come by that i enjoyed this savage fighter known as pickle that's what they call him is said to be, like it's almost like a dragon ball uh character at this point um pickle is said to be the strongest fighter in history and now baki will face his biggest challenge to date uh pickle is insanely strong he is the only character that actually at this point i mean there's been other characters like jack hammer that's come yeah there's a character named jack hammer trust it's it's a whole thing but <laughs> jack hammer is possibly closest to the person that was almost equal to um to yujiro pickle is yujiro but also i feel like the character that they base pickle uh pickle on he gives me a bit of brawly vibe in this um brawly also one of the most powerful beings in the universe on the dragon ball uh universe and he's almost unstable this guy is the same way too and they figure the the, the, the deal is because he he's like he's now he's a guy from the prehistoric era and now being brought to the um modern era he's hard he's hardened as hell he his whole life 
before he got he went frozen he was fighting dinosaurs and dominating dinosaurs and training himself to be able to overcome dinosaurs and his fighting philosophy is after i beat you i'm gonna eat you and it doesn't matter who it is this dude is a carnivore he's a savage carnivore he only the cool part is he only attacks if you attack him but if you don't attack him he he you know he's chill unfortunately there's a bunch of deadly crazy murderous fighters that are going to try to challenge this dude and they did and it didn't turn right for the rest of these guys so baki uh is up to baki to see how you know how he's going to face this but the fights that are going into this is just insanely crazy um there are if you've watched the baki series before too they also what i love about it it's a series about mixed martial arts fighting in the most extreme way but the show pays homage to a lot of actual real life real world uh figures in the world of sports in the world of combat sports i should say um you know muhammad ali has been on there once uh in in one season and in fact the funny part about that is they cr they created a fictitious character that was based on his you know uh you know ali's legacy they created him a son ali never had a son he had Layla ali in the world of baki there is muhammad ali jr which is hilarious so they have that situation so it's like it's it's fiction and in in real in realism you know combined and um there's also they mentioned joe frazier uh you know a lot of you know legendary boxers of the time and what i like about that is that like not only they do that to talk about history but they also do that to explain some of the things that are going on from a fighting perspective and you learn a lot of actual real techniques and things like and, and that's what i love about anime they take time to describe and teach you some things that you may not know about and that's something that you rarely see in a american animated series is that they teach you they are very anime has always been you know very um educational in a sense like you will start learning things that you've never known because they put a lot of focus on to stuff like that and this was one of those things so like you know whether a certain type of punch i will give you another example of a great combat sport anime to watch and that's uh hajimi no ipu um which is a boxing anime and if you ever want to like learn about boxing techniques they will actually talk about it and, and educate you on air and describe some of the things that are happening on air how like even just as something as simple as you know the effects of what an uppercut can do to you if you hit it right if you hit the button right and how you will buckle down immediately from doing it like that's a real a legit thing that happens in boxing is you know stuff like that so um the anatomy gets taught with these animes or, or like that so they have you know a lot of these things here so we I, they've talked about ali and frazier you know um you know uh the rumble from down uh the rumble in the jungle you know uh dill they've talked about they actually had a character that was based around hoist gracie but they gave him a different name in this se season uh so he's on here as well but there is no moment this season that had me rolling and cracking the hell up Oh, by the way, should I add? I talked about this before when I last time I talked about Baki. When they had Muhammad Ali on there, 
Yujiro met up with uh, Muhammad Ali. And Yujiro, normally, he's thirsty to fight people to let them know that he's dominant. Everywhere he goes, people fear him. Legit, like, literally fear this dude. The minute just, he, even if he does nothing, he just walks past and people are shaking. That's how bad that this dude is. But he went up to Muhammad Ali. And yeah, Muhammad Ali in his, you know, later state. And it was the one time Yujiro Hamna gave anybody respect is with Ali. And it was awesome. I thought that was awesome. Now, this season, Yujiro, like, Yujiro gets, he is, when I tell you how powerful and, and feared he is, everywhere he go, he goes all around the world. He does not care. He will face, he can, he alone can take out armies. <laughs> he could go up to Vladimir Putin and, you know, and Vladimir Putin will do whatever he wants. He does it everywhere. He goes everywhere around the world to create some form of immunity to allow him to do whatever he wants. This was no different when he came to the United States. And it just so happens that the president of the United States in this term of Baki was none other than Barack Obama. But they didn't call him uh, his last name, Obama. They gave him another fictitious ver version, but his first name is Barack. And it obviously is Barack Obama. And the, whoever's voicing the character of Barack is spot on. And it was a hilarious moment because he's, you know, he's talking and he's like, he, he, you know how swag, you know, swag is smooth. Barack can be when you're talking to people. And Yujiro just got annoyed by it <laughs> at this point. And it was awesome. It was actually fantastic. So he went there to actually, you got it's. I can't do this justice. You got to go see it on. It's on Netflix. You got to go see it. He went to. He went to go uh, get some form of immunity, diplomatic immunity, if you will, from Barack Obama that you know allows him to do whatever he want and not get, you know, um, you know, arrested for it. So like he has the right to kill, on site, at his leisure. That's what diplomatic immunity is. So he gets diplomatic immunity from every country and he got it from Obama this time around. But, uh, you know, uh, Barack this time wanted to test him and he gave him a big lump of coal and said, if he's really this powerful, he wanted to test his, his power. And if he was really this powerful, then he would be able to crush this, you know, coal and make it a diamond with the pressure. He crushed the coal, but he used his knuckle to cut the his, his uh, to cut the glass table that he had, and and Barack was just like uh, President Barack was like, oh my god, <laughs> he cut that with his whole thing, and the whole entire table broke, and it ended with him saying, yes, he could. I was, I'm telling you, I cannot do this justice. Go watch this yourself. It is phenomenal. I gotta, I gotta hope to watch this. That that it's there's a foot, there's some footage of this online for people to watch. It is so hilarious. You trust me. This show, if you're a combat sport fan or a fighting fan, Baki is like the ultimate of these type of animes. It's it's at this point, it's just so absurd of the things that they do in there, but. It's so over the top, but it's just, this is like the open, the ultimate form of masculinity. This, this is testosterone overboard in, in the show, but it's so much so that it's hilarious. So, um, 
go out anyway check this out it is awesome uh troy baker is the voice of uh baki too um steve bloom is also in this it, it, there's some really hardcore uh boy uh actors in here in, in this um show so go out anyway check it out it is so awesome and uh yeah i i unfortunately i will say this this was not the season that baki gets to fight uh yujiro if they they gotta do it next one because he 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 you know he has so much to face they gotta those two have got to meet next season it, it's we've waited literally over almost 20 years for this altercation to happen they are dragging it so much it's time <laughs> it's just time people all right let's move on to some movie and marvel news and unfortunately if you like some people were waiting to see this Craven the Hunter movie. You may have to wait just a little bit longer, in particular, a year longer. It's been delayed. In the event of the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, I believe that's called, and SAG after strike, which is going on right now, and it's being in a standstill, the movie will be delayed one year from its original date of October 6th, now, August. 30th 2024 so it's unfortunate um but this this uh this this strike is real this strike is real now here's my thing i don't i think i i here's here's the deal i don't know why they needed to do that maybe it's because they wanted to do a lot of promotion and they wanted the actors to be able to promote it um so you know without the type of promotion it you know you can't just put out a movie. I can understand why you don't. They don't want to just put out a movie and just try to hope that people will collect because you need that. You need the actors going on, doing media tours and you know junkets and all that stuff to promote the uh, the movie. Even though, well, I can't say I can't compare Barbie to that because they, you know, Margot Robbie was able to do a lot of promotion for this leading up to the strike, so. By the time the strike came, you know, they already got as much promotion for this movie as they as they could possibly have. Same with the turtles um, and such. So, um, you know, I don't I, I hope I really hope that they don't do this to, to uh, like that. Marvel doesn't do this to Marvels. They've promoted that enough. They got enough promotion out there. They can do it. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't delay that. I would not delay that movie at all put that out there you don't want to do what happened with um with black widow they they have to learn their lesson from this people regardless of the strike people are still going to go to the movies and we're still going to support the people in this strike but we're going to go to the movies regardless still let them make that money you know but other than that man it's like yeah this is uh unfortunate i don't i don't know I don't know with this movie anyway. This Craven the Hunter movie, it looks pretty good, but so did Morbius to some extent. The Sony villain, this Sony villain Rogue Gallery uh, series, has not been working. I mean, it just really hasn't. It. I haven't seen one. Venom was okay for the most part. People did like it, but. It is what it is. Like you can't make every single Spider-Man villain a anti-hero. You just can't. And Craven looks like he's going to be an anti-hero too. Um, I, I don't know what they're going to do with that. 
I don't know what's the plan for that. It's like you're making everybody almost a good guy. Like, how are you? How is what is Spider-Man going to be facing at this point? What are you going to do? A Martin Lee, um, you know, series or movie and make him up? like, come on. Y'all need to break and bad some of these people. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but in this place, Marvel, um, Madam Web, which is scheduled to come out uh, next year, will be moving up in the schedule from its original date of February 16th to February 14th, 2024. Uh, honestly, I, I did hear that they were going to do that, but I guess they're full force with it. So I don't know who's going to play Madam Web, and I didn't even have desire to check because look, Amy Pascal has been trying her best to try to, you know, outdo what Marvel Studios has done with their uh, intellectual property. And they just have it. With the exception of the uh, Miles Morales movies, they have not been able to get anywhere in. The Marvel, the Miles Morales movies have been the best thing that Amy Pascal and Pascal Pictures have done. And yes, her name, that, that the studio's name is a part of the uh, Marvel Studios deal, but best believe she, that company rarely had anything to do with what Kevin Feige and them were doing with Spider-Man. I don't know to what end, it, how they're going to do this and what the working relationship is with them and, um, you know, the Spider-Man character. I just know that we got three of the best Spider-Man films to date. And if they mess up anything else of this, I don't care because we got three of the best, you know, nothing's messing with Homecoming, Far From Home and No Way Home. You know, nothing's messing with them. You, they were able to do with the Sam Raimi films could not. Not, well, to, I don't know if it's totally at the fault of, you know, Sam Raimi, because yes, yeah, Spider-Man 3 wasn't the best, but it wasn't the worst either. And I think they could have let him do one more, which was the plan for them to do a fourth. And it just, they just gave up on him. I'm like, come on, just the dude's still good. I mean, like the dude's still really good at what he does. I loved what he did with Doctor Strange. And I love the fact that he is doing Doctor Strange now. That's actually more up his alley than Spider-Man. But when he did Spider-Man, it was so on point, especially part one and two. So uh, we'll see about that, of course. All right. I want to give my thoughts on something. I'm not surprised when I heard this. Michael Bay. Michael Bay associated with Transformers, mostly recently, currently, if you will. He apparently was no surprise to anybody who knew, who's followed Michael Bay. Apparently he was reluctant to pull the trigger on the GI Joe reveal in uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast. I would like to be surprised and shocked and say, are you out of your freaking mind? But no, I'm not. I'm not gonna pretend like, like, I'm surprised at this no more than I'm surprised of like racism in America. <laughs> okay. It's expected for Michael Bay because regardless, he is not a true fan of this franchise yet. I just hate his arrogance to ha still have control of this franchise. He got one, right? He got the first one. And the first one was basically because Steven Spielberg was a part of it and he knows how to do these type of films. The second thing is we have, we never had a Transformers live action movie up until that point. So that was part one was the basis of what we can use it on. 
now we got these new now the best thing that he ever did ever done was allow other directors to do these movies directors who are fans of these movies directors who grew up with the franchise best thing he's ever done but he still never he was one of those guys that just never been a fan of all of this he never grew up being a transformers fan or even a gi joe fan to the extent and doesn't understand the connection of the two the history of the two and whatnot and it almost didn't happen no surprise to anyone that michael bay didn't understand the gravity of a gi joe and crossover in a transformers movie which is something that people fans have been clamoring for for some time according to variety Bay was skeptical about bringing the two together and thought that the Joe franchise would bring the Transformers franchise down. Now, a lot of that stems from the box office sales of the films, not the fact that people got bad reviews, but it's just, it, I mean, it was basically on the box office sales. There are people who actually like the first and second, you know, film, I, with the exception of the fact that they killed off Duke and we still never got any retribution from that as to what happened with duke and roblox you know played by dwayne johnson was he they that's the part that pissed me off because we all know any gi joe fan knows roblox is not the leader of gi joe although roblox is a fan favorite this reminds me of what they did with the x-men series you got so you got scott summers who's the original leader of the x-men but in the movies they slowly led to wolverine and storm being the main characters leaving cyclops just like high and dry which i always hated i always freaking hated that just because you know they were so starstruck and focused they wanted holly berry to be the lead and hugh jackman to be the lead because hugh jackman was the most popular and it's holly berry and then we thought that they learned a lesson with first class but no they did the exact same thing again and then jennifer lawrence became the lead up until dark phoenix which i'm sorry i you know jennifer lawrence is awesome but the best thing that they did in that movie was put her to a side and allow the new cast to do it now i wouldn't i wouldn't have actually killed her off <laughs> i would not have killed her off which makes no sense because if this is based on the past and i know they did days of future past but this is supposed to be based on the past leading up to the future she shouldn't be dead i gotta look at those movies again to see because there was some there was some plot holes in that one but to my knowledge i again i gotta watch it again because it it, it she, like she was rebecca romaine in the original ones and then they did a origin story of it and then she dies by the time she gets to the first time the phoenix and they rewrote i didn't get it they rewrote they rebooted the thing but they kind of merged them together at the same time i don't know those x-men films were very confusing you know whether how good or how bad some of those movies were connecting all the dots was so convoluted very convoluted which is why i am so grateful for what marvel studios has been doing for the past over the past decade or so so you got to remember like people take the more uh, take marvel studios for granted so much they have done so much but that's a whole nother discussion for a whole other time so yeah michael bay was very skeptical about bringing the two together you know because because sector seven badly written plots 
and a bunch of racist Transformers didn't do that already for the franchise. Producer Brian Robbins said that he had to contact Bay 50 times, estimating, guesstimating, if you will, before he actually uh, got in contact with him and spoke with him about the idea, to which he finally agreed, yes, we'll do it. Thankfully, he did, and thankfully, thankfully, he was proven wrong. Because if you were in the theater, especially when we were in the theater when we did the early screening of that, I still, I only watched it once on digital, but the when I last time I watched it and I watched that scene, all I can remember, I can I went through instant nostalgia of remembering the reaction that we all had the minute that uh, Ramos flipped that card around and it said G.I. Joe. I hope, and you know what? He did see this footage. I know he saw that footage because when we were at the early screening, Paramount actually had people, um, they recorded us to get our reactions and, our, and see our fandom for the movies in there. So people, they did get that feedback and the reactions from us when we did it in other theaters too when they when they uh did early screenings around the uh, country so they saw the reaction and he knows that there is some you know feet, uh legs to stand on hell the snake eyes uh, movie that came out was actually really good too so i you know that's really uh, in my opinion i don't know why michael bay still a part of this whole entire thing he adds nothing he adds nothing but his control around the Air Force. Like his biggest flex when doing these movies was not the fact that he got the movie right and accurate. He can't take full credit for a lot of the success of the Transformers movies, especially the, the ones afterwards, because one, we were, it, they were, we started seeing Michael Bay's patterns and it became so predictable after a while. The extremely hot model uh, like women that were in the movie, um, the panning of the cameras, the slow-mo, the, you know, massive, you know, camera shot clips and switches and all this stuff. We started see, he, he started getting stagnant very quickly, but his biggest flex was not, you know, what he did with the Transformers. It was the fact that he had control of the air force in the military, which allowed him to use all their vehicles to film the to film the shows that was his biggest flex that nobody cared about that <laughs> y'all could have just cgi'd a lot of that stuff and nobody would have cared you know he it was almost like he was trying to they were trying to utilize the transformers movie as a recruitment um you know as a product placement for recruitment or whatever like that anyway man get out of here with that so yeah, I'm glad that they were able to do it because it was met with much success. And now we're all anticipating the collaboration of it. And uh, we don't know when it's going to happen, but it's done now. It's in it's in the books. You got to do it now. You put it out there. You got to stick with it. Just let, you know, Cable handle everything from that Transformers movie from this point on because he he knocked it out the park. So, oh, man, just awesome there. And other news going to Star Wars. Donald Glover and his brother Stephen Glover are taking over the Lucasfilm's Lando series on Disney+. Plus. The brothers have signed on to write the latest Star Wars uh, series on uh, Disney+. Plus. Uh, Dear White People creator Justin Simeon uh, was originally signed to do it, but he stepped down. 
Simeon also directed the recently released uh, Disney film that just came out this week, uh, this weekend, uh, Haunted Mansion. So I don't know why he decided to step down. There was nothing in it that really specified why, but this deal was reached prior to the writer's strike, according to Variety. Um, so the series will once again have Donald reprise his role as the young Lando Carizian. Uh, and it's still, I think that is going to be good. If you have been a fan of anything that Donald Glover has done, it has been done with some awesome, spectacular, uh, cinema, um, you know, cinematography and, uh, storytelling and whatnot. And, uh, he's going to be able to pull this off really well. I'm looking forward to that. Um, two more things I want to bring up real quick. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which is coming out next week. And I will be reviewing that uh, next week for the show. I'll be going uh, Wednesday to check it out. Uh, be joining with a fellow ACMG Facebook member. Shout out to Max out there. He's going to be with me and we're going to check this movie out together and uh, give you and I'll give you thoughts on what I thought about that from there. I think it's going to be awesome. <laughs> to be honest, uh, I talked about this with Boris on the uh, Rambling Rampage deal, which, by the way, you can check out that show for free. Um, I go into my threads on um, at, at Dexavier underscore Josiah on my threads. I posted the episode on air and put the link on there so you can easly just go and check out the free episode with myself and Boris uh, Roberto Aguilar of TSN Radio's Sunday Night's Main Event on air. Uh, so you can check that out there. But, um, it looks like it's going to be awesome. Seth Rogen. I'm a big fan of Seth Rogen movies. <laughs> Such a big fan. I love his, his storytelling. I love his directing, um, chops and this will be no different. They're adding a lot of hip hop elements to this whole thing. So I'm looking forward to it. And those come to find out, I guess, you know, this is one of those cases where something is just so good that studios are uberly confident about it, that they already, you know, they went, they went off and, you know, agreed to a sequel. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is getting a sequel along with a, its own series on uh, Platinum. I'm um, sorry, not Platinum, on Paramount Plus. So a lot of people have seen early screenings of this and they said this was awesome. Uh, I'm looking forward to it and uh, I can't wait. I can't. We talked about this, but we got to look, we got to really look back since 1987. Like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles may have been the most consistent franchise ever probably uh, probably second to mario mario's been consistent with this franchise the teenage mutant turtles they always make some comeback they always got another version and variant of the series you know for those who don't know there is a turtles universe out there and they had a movie where every single turtle from different universes came together or whatnot um highly recommend you find that and check it out but they, um, this variant, you know, is no different. And they just continue to gain more fans throughout generations. Now, you know, 1987 and it's 1993 and it's almost, it, it reminds me of like how Michael Jackson people like kids are fans of Michael Jackson still to this day because they hear that music and that's insane. Cause this guy is no longer with us. And people, they, we see kids years back, they were still fans of Michael's music and were just singing at Michael's music. Like it's timeless. The Turtles, no pun, it's literally uh, almost timeless at this point. Like they've, it, it, this is one of the most successful, you know, um, cartoon franchises of all time, bar none. That has expanded to so many different outlets 
it isn't funny and this is just it's continuing the deal so it's awesome all right last thing i want to talk about actually one of the last things i want to talk about got a chance to check out the castlevania nocturne trailer which is featuring um a new story of the in the castlevania uh genre uh in series this time based on the story of richter belmont last time it was trevor now we're going to richter and uh richter looks to seek revenge on the ones are responsible for his mother's death and you know it's going to be vampire related there and this also will include a new and diverse cast of characters castlevania this, this the castlevania series has been one of the most awesome things to ever come out on netflix some of the most stunning and i mean absolutely stunning character design and anime style that i've ever seen it's just beautiful and what i love about this one if you haven't seen the trailer yet go out of your way go to netflix geeked check it out i love how in this move in this series how the artist draws black characters he looks so awesome and there's a new black character a black female character with locks yo it, i we've come a long way with anime and black people let me tell you if you go into history the depiction of us was based around the depiction seen in our country now when people look back at this they're probably thinking japan is making fun of us japan is you know being racist that is that is not exactly the case when you see a when you see black characters in an anime like from back in the 80s or whatnot with like big lips and all that stuff it's not so much the case you got to think perspectively there was no internet in the 80s internet was not even a commercialized thing the internet was at the time was something only the government had so that transfer that's you know and that information uh that transferring of information of fast information was never a thing in the 80s or the 70s or the 60s or the 50s so to get an understanding of world views and things that you learn about other parts of the world you had to do so by traveling so if you're traveling from japan or you, you you're wanting to learn things about from japan and the same and if you if you're from the us and you want to learn about japan you only you only know but so much and if you're like a producer or director or whatnot and you travel to japan to learn about japan to you film in japan you're only filming the touristy type of aspects and the some of the cultural aspects but it doesn't really tell the full story so if japan is coming here or they've seen things that have happened in japan like i don't know um racist depictions of black people that are drawn by people in our country of people with big lips or big noses or whatnot they look at that and they probably looked at that as okay this is what this is how they depict this is a cultural thing you know not knowing that how offensive it really is so there are times you'll see an anime where you're going to see some characters that are characters of color that are black that will have especially uh i'll give an example dragon ball has quite a few characters and they're not just not just popo not mr not just mr popo and i don't know what the hell mr popo is that dude ain't black he's something totally different he is not a black character he's not even egyptian character he's 
something totally out of this world. But he just so happens to carry that depiction, that that stereotypical depiction. Um, but there are black characters in Dragon Ball from back in the day, especially in the Red Ribbon Army, um, that has that big lip type of thing going on um, and big news thing going on. I don't want to really fully vilify Japan for that because it's a possibility that they may not understood the situation because it was never argued it was never debated like it is today so i they definitely learned from that and i i will give you another example because i talked about this in an episode a while back when i talked about kanikoman um go back and watch those kanikoman episodes there's one in particular where they do a comp I, blew me away because i never i it, i never knew about this and never saw it coming and i had to rationalize the situation When they when when they had Kanikoman do a full performance in blackface, it blew my mind. It was based on it was based on this band that actually performed in blackface as well. That it's safe to say if they ever bring out Kanikoman to the states, if they ever wanted to bring this, that episode will be immediately cut, and I mean immediately cut from the from ever being aired. It is ridiculously offensive. Um, but at the time, they didn't realize that. They thought they were celebrating, possibly. They thought that this was okay to do. Nobody thought about that. And then, plus, there are no black people in Japan, at least not as many at all, unless you're talking milita military people. There were no black people at the time during that, you know, in a populated in that country. Unless they were touring or whatnot. It just doesn't happen. So, I can let go of the idea that Japan may not have known no more than we may not have known about some of the things that we stereotyped about them in this case, but it's safe to say that they have come a long way. They have drawn black characters very respectfully and beautifully in this day and age. Um, it is just fantastic what they've done to create uh, characters of color now. And they look so beautiful and representative, uh, representative of us in the best way. And it, it, you know, kudos to them for being able to learn a lesson and you know go for it, and 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 you know, you know, um, make amends for it. You know, what I'm saying like we can't fault everybody for what they do in the past, but you can really celebrate people who are able to want to rectify a situation, and that's what they did. They rectify the situation. You don't do what you did in the past. You learn from it. You never do it again. Now, you know, and it sounds like I was about to say, and no one has half the battle, but that's not the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you just, you, you know, you don't vilify people for life. You don't cancel them out, especially if they're willing to make amends, if they're willing to, I've said this so many times and I'm going to keep saying it because we need to imprint that in our head that people are going to make mistakes. Everybody's prone to make mistakes but we will absolutely be stronger if we allow forgiveness and we are willing to right our wrongs. And that's what happened here. Trust me when I tell you, as a person who had to right his own wrongs, it makes you a lot better at the end. A lot, much, much better at the end of it. And even for those who are willing to forgive, not an easy thing to do, but it's strong on your part to do so as well. 
in, in the words of Master Mold in an episode of X-Men, the, uh, the animated series in, um, in 97, I do not kill because I do not fear. Think about that. So, all right. Last thing I want to talk about. Oh, by the way, Castlevania Nocturne coming September 28th on Netflix. So I just want to put that there. So last thing I want to talk about is my thoughts on the season, the series finale of Secret Invasion. Look, I loved it. I should just stop right there. I love this series. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was intense. We talked about a little bit on the uh, Rambling Rampage show. Uh, so you can check that out there, but I'm going to go into details to what happened in this final episode and everything. But overall, I loved it. I didn't see any problems. I didn't see any issues. I had a conversation with a guy online um, about, you know, he claimed that there were plot holes. I just rewatched the entire series yesterday in the last episode this morning before I started the show. I didn't see any plot holes. I didn't see any. He argued one of his only argument. And I can understand what he was thinking, but here's the thing. His argument was that he thought that Fury could have took, taken out Rhodey a long time ago because he knew he was a scroll. Here's the problem as to why you would not want to do that and why that is a foolish thing to do. He know Rhodey was a scroll. He doesn't know, but Fury is an agent for Intel. Shield is always about collecting Intel because knowledge is power. Therefore, even though you know somebody is who they are, you still don't know why they're doing what they're doing. And he couldn't let him go without knowing everything he needed to know about what's going on. When he figures out everything that's going on, then you strike. Then you make your move, whatever move that is you make, but you don't take out the guy clearly because it's like, you got to use that's here's what I don't think this gentleman or person because he, he or she, or they hit themselves. It's always the case. They didn't count on the idea of using critical thinking. And that's exactly what Mick, um, Nick Fury does. He uses critical thinking. He doesn't shoot first and ask questions later because you don't get answers when you shoot first. He knew he was a scroll, but he didn't know why he was doing what they were doing, what they were at, what the scrolls and uh, graphic was after. He needed that road, that scroll who was playing roads to, to be around him long enough to know what the hell is going on when he, this is what Intel does. They collect information. They collect intelligence. When they get all the information on what these, what the enemy is planning, then they strike. But if you shoot them now, you don't know. You shoot them now, and they already had a bomb that was already ready to go. You couldn't. There was a scene where Talos uh, and and, um, and Fury went after the guy who set off the missiles that were going to go off, and he needed a little bit more information with this guy before they shot him down. Even though Talos got pissed and shot him anyway, and that led to a bigger problem because now they needed to they needed clearance to to uh, to stop the the missiles from launching. Luckily, they were able to work that out, but that almost screwed them up. So killing Rhodes before they know what the hell is going to happen is a dumb move. It is absolutely the, like, if anybody would listen to that guy, we would all be killed because you killed off the one guy who knows exactly what graphics is doing 
and what's going on and then we're we're totally screwed you need to know why he's an asset before you take him out or need to take him out you know you, you just don't shoot first people you just don't these i'm talking to people who probably just you know we we like i said we live in a short attention society so people react so quickly to things without slowly patiently observing the situation this is the same generation who only reads the headlines but not the article and then upon reading the article they don't research it so this is what we're dealing with and on top of that the guy only watched the series once apparently and then on top of that we talked it was another conversation uh, i had with somebody else in um in the thread where he said basically the viewership was the reason was the reason why this show failed the conversation was based on the um an ign post an opinionated ign post i should really say that because they did put opinionated but he felt like they did they didn't do the um nick fury character justice and i totally disagree with that the purpose of secret invasion was to show vulnerability to a man who is invulnerable a man who is always in control a man who is on top of things at all times a man that you cannot cross has finally broken after the events of thanos snap in the blip of five years this man of all people has encountered his own ptsd and wouldn't you if you started looking at yourself fading away and, and for that for those few seconds of you fading away everything you knew everything you thought you knew every bit of protection that you thought that you had all your power seems like is worthless so he comes back after the battle of earth He isolates himself from everybody, which is the worst thing that you'd ever do. I don't care what people think they know or isolating yourself is the worst idea. If go take a psychology class, one of the things that they tell you, isolation is deadly. Isolation results in a lot of, uh, psychological, you know, defects if you isolate yourself. So every time somebody tries to play the introvert card, I get pissed off because you you're not supposed to wear introvert like as a badge of honor being an introvert is a thing but it's something that's not always the best thing to be you could be being an introvert is okay but being an extrovert needs to be balanced in so being an omnivert is probably the best way to go where you can you could you know have time find time for yourself and you can be alone and independent but also want to engage with other people every so often that's the way to go the best of both worlds people so fury isolated himself went with the scrolls didn't want to deal with the situations of earth and had to ponder on everything that he went through that's why in episode one when you saw him and maria hill and, and Tal uh, talos were telling him like if we don't stop graphic right now it means the annihilation of the earth he freaked out and all through the series you start to uncover why he left why he ended up getting talos and his wife come down to save spider-man why he ended up you know working with sword 
up in the space up in space and whatnot all of this comes in and what we get is a different type of fury a broken down vulnerable fury now if you're a true marvel fan then you understand marvel's brand and marvel's brand is even though we are powerful we are also human meaning even though you have these extraordinarily badass abilities and skills and whatnot that there is a human side to you that among all else spider-man saves the world can lift cars can swing around the city can detect trouble and sense it but he still got to pay bills he still has a he still is in love with a girl he gets heartbroken people die in his life he's vulnerable ben grimm encountered a, a um encounter cosmic rays that turned him into a brick monster nobody people are scared of him people he once loved fears him now he has to deal with that every day then johnny storm antagonizes him and trolls him all the time <laughs> he has to deal with that every single day you know the human side wilson fisk we saw in daredevil what happened with wilson fisk like he's not just pure evil look what his childhood did to him okay this is no different this is another humanistic story of a man who is all powerful at one point and knew everything damn near the clairvoyant in some cases and we now know why he was the clairvoyant because you know the scrolls helped him talos and the other scrolls have helped him to do this and you know regardless he's still pushing through the pain of what he went through we now know that he's he's been in love and he had a wife that he fell in love with who just happened to be a scroll we got to learn more about nick fury than we ever did before in all of the years that we've seen him throughout the marvel cinematic universe we finally got to get inside of the man behind the eye patch and he was so stupid people stupid comments online was just hilarious people online were talking about oh i like the old, i like the nick fury from winter soldier like that's not the point yes we all like nick fury from the winter soldier yes we all like nick fury and everything this is a real perspective of nick fury like it's unrealistic for him not to have some type of traumatized uh, traumatization from your entire body evaporating because you never had that happen to you before people just don't think thoroughly i feel like people think with a third grade mindset sometimes it's a sophisticated look a deeper look into the perspective in, a, in, in the life of a man who is revered as one of the best and now he's broken down he's trying to build himself back up yes people even nick fury is one of us he's human he has human instincts he has human errors and you've seen that all through the actual uh, series and i loved it um my only thing is that i really wish that the the altercation with fury and uh roads was like legit fury and roads because those altercations the back and forth that those two had together was some of the best and it only just makes it 
it, it just turns it down for me. It just, it's a it's a cherry pick at best, but it only just turns it down because it wasn't really them arguing. So I'm wondering like how that altercation would have went down because they got deep in episode two with that. So I love the intensity that this brings. And and first of all, I'd also like the fact that like if you guys remember Talos first appeared in um, Captain Marvel, which that movie was kind of like an action adventure, somewhat lighthearted comedy. And we got to see the scrolls in that nature. And then we saw the scrolls again later on in Spider-Man, uh, you know, uh, Far From Home or No Way Home to that measure. So that was also an action pack adventure, kind of comedic there. This was like the first time we've seen the scrolls in a more serious tone. And Talos in a more serious tone here. Um, as he, you know, tries to, you know, reunite with his daughter Gaia and whatnot after the uh, death of his wife at the hands of Gravik, which I wish kind of, I hate to say it, but I wish we kind of saw that in a sense, they just said it happened, but you know, cause she's kind of a, she, she was kind of a figure in the show too. I mean, we seen her in, you know, Spider-Man far from home. We seen her in Marvel, uh, Captain Marvel, but then all of a sudden she's just not here. I don't know what happened with that situation, but it was what it was. Um, it, it you know, it, it was just it was it was just an awesome thing so the final episode came and now gaia becomes the newest superhero in the marvel cinematic universe as a super scroll i don't know where this is leading to but i'm loving it but also you know they talked about scarlet witch being the most powerful and they talked about captain marvel being the most powerful well now Gaia now has the powers of every superhero and villain, to my belief, in the fight for Earth, ergo air endgame, after she was exposed to the machine that had the Harvest DNA. The Harvest DNA consisted of everybody involved, every Avenger involved in the uh, endgame war, including the Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> okay? Because she used Mantis's, um, Mantis's powers as well. Her uh, apathy powers or whatnot, or whatnot. So that was just wild. That was just absolutely wild. Um, Gaia now joins uh, Sonia Falseworth, which by the way, she was absolutely fantastic in the show. I loved her from start to finish. She was fantastic. She was entertaining as hell. She was one of the most entertaining, entertaining Olivia Coleman kudos to her she did such an awesome job in there um she, she was kind of like the new nick fury whereas like she just she still had the stone cold ability to be stern and confident and diligent and vigilant as possible and not break for any reason of course she didn't get the blip either so i don't know how she would have reacted after that stuff but like it took nick fury out because Nick Fury firsthand saw Thanos and everything that happened from there. So I don't know. But Sonya, I want, we're going to see her again. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't know to what end, but we saw uh, Gaia join up with Sonya as they head off to form a team, it looks like. And I don't know. Could it be possibly the Thunderbolts? Could we see both of these characters in the Thunderbolts? The one thing we didn't see is Valentino. So I don't know, is another super team forming or is it just the Thunderbolts that she's gonna be joining and you know, whatnot? I, I wanna add to that we got to see the character from um, Black Widow. 
Black Widow's, uh, I forgot this guy's name. Let me look him up real quick. It was the first time, you know, if you actually watch Black Widow, you would, Mason. OT, uh, Fagbino, if I'm pronouncing that right, uh, who uh, was friend of Natasha, appeared in the, uh, I think, episode five, where Nick Fury, I guess, needed a ride and needed a plane. He, this guy took care of him once again. So I figured we were going to see him again at some point, and we're now seeing him. I don't know to what end what he's going to end up with in the, in, uh, in the near future, but they are planting seeds for this guy. And uh, I don't know what's going to happen next. Of course, Fury is no longer with S.H.I.E.L.D. And there is no S.H.I.E.L.D. And, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know when or where we're going to see this guy. But we got a lot of different series coming down the line. So I don't think it's the last time we're going to see him whatsoever. Um, Fury also saves the president only for him, to, only for the president to call out for an all out act of war on the scrolls resulting in an array of vigilant attacks on scrolls and innocent humans in a crossfire so basically this now president is is based let's call it what it is he's trump and the fact that fury called him up and said like basically what you did is some one term one term shit basically and we knew that where that was directed at and now it has developed into some craziness going on and the president basically said like if you really care about these scrolls get them out of my world get them out of our planet which almost made it seem like the president is thinking he's the president of the world and <laughs> not just the united states i don't know what that's leading to but i think something's going to be led to what's going to happen with him and in, in, in this situation um there may be more to this recent president than we think Meanwhile, Rhodes, Ross, and many other uh, many other figures, public figures, uh, held hostage by Graphic are now free thanks to uh, Gaia. And near the end of this, we see the reunited uh, rela uh, relationship of Priscilla, who joins Fury as they plan to go on a peace treaty to, uh, with the Krees and the Scrolls. So, unfortunately. It looks like we may not see the Kree scroll, uh, scroll War in this particular universe, or it made it seem like the Kree Scroll War has already happened. Well, actually, all right, the Kree Scroll War kind of already did happen during Captain Marvel, but for those who don't know and never read the comics, the Kree Scroll War was a one of Marvel's uh, most prominent and major uh, sagas to come out back then. I think it involved the Fantastic Four at the time as well. The Fantastic Four in the comics are synonymous with the scrolls. Also, the Super Scroll in general was synonymous with the Fantastic Four. And that's the one disappointment people are having with this series because they added the Super Scroll character into this that we don't get the we we won't we will not now get to see the altercation and rivalry of the Super Scrolls versus the uh, Fantastic Four. In the comics, the Super Scroll the original Super Scroll had the powers of all the Fantastic Four. This version with Gaia, and Gaia is like a superhero on this point, where Gravix was the enemy with the Super Scroll, now has all the Avengers Super Scroll, which in hindsight, this is way worse and even more powerful than the, than the Super Scroll in the comics. So I don't know what's gonna happen in this universe, but I'm looking forward to it. And I'm, now I'm looking forward to the Marvels even more because there could be some connections to that. Nick Fury is in the Marvels. 
So we could see Priscilla in there as well. And amongst some other characters that were in um, a secret invasion and see what's going on with there. And we know that it involved the Krees and the scrolls too. So, um, man, I'm ready. I'm ready for the Marvels. Please do not delay this movie because of the writers and, uh, actor strike. Let that keep rolling. You're these, regardless of what's going on, those actors doing this movie deserves to be shown and seen as well as they deserve to be paid and compensated for their work in there. Folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and I will gladly talk about my thoughts on Twisted Metal on Peacock. I won't, I will not say anything else other than that, but we'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Believe it! Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? 20 years ago, the world fell to Cities put up walls to protect themselves and threw the criminals out so they could fight over what was left. But there are humble mother like me delivering cargo from one walled city to another. That's where the cars and guns come in. Give me the package, no yeah! So if I'm here, then the exit is... Oh, they have a footlocker. Oh, son of a... Uh. Welcome to New San Francisco. I want to hire you. Pick up a package, bring it back. I can make your every wish come true. So, John, what do you wish for? Toilet paper. Two-ply. I think I can do better. Three ply? Folks, we are back with our talk topic of the week, and it is my review of Twisted Metal, the latest series on Peacock based on a beloved cult classic video game on the PlayStation. And I'm talking about PlayStation 1. When they talked about doing a series based on this game, one of my all-time favorite PlayStation games, mind you, I flipped because I'm like, we haven't re we haven't gotten a new Twisted Metal game in like years. The last Twisted Metal game that we got was Twisted Metal Black, and they I think they remastered it and brought it back, but not an actual real Twisted Metal game. For those who don't know, Twisted Metal is a driving game. It's a it's a construction derby action game, if you will, with the story and premise kind of like a Street Fighter premise or Mortal Kombat premise, instead of it's it's basically it's basically Mortal Kombat with cars. And the story is that these you have a random group of people with their own stories and backstories and narratives and whatnot that are competing in this death defying tournament 
for the opportunity to grant one wish any wish that you could that you could desire thanks to the man or person known as calypso this character has the ability somehow to grant you whatever you want and whatever your heart's desire now in doing so if you played <laughs> twisted metal and you played through the story mode of twisted metal which plays like a fighting game so you pick a character that you want to play against and you go through different arenas and stages you know destroying each character whatnot and then you go through a boss battle same formula as a fighting game with including each character having their own ending and backstory with it which made it even more awesome because it you know you there's a lot of character development in here and much like the street fighter formula each character you kind of everybody bonds with a particular character which is really weird to say because each character has maybe somehow a serial killer or a mass murderer or psycho in some sort of way you know with this one character john doe we don't know what this character's backstory is and where he's from but he's able to do what he does and he's a great driver or whatnot and they did the same thing here so once you win the tournament you get your wish from calypso however the wish you'll get what you want but not how you want it and it always goes to show the old saying is be careful what you wish for and that definitely goes for whatever you get from calypso so what they did with this story starring anthony mackie nev campbell uh St stephanie uh beatrice and a host of other awesome people in this show will arnett and samoa joe especially aka joe sanoa was fantastic you don't get the idea that they're going in the direction of what the game does at first but what they did with this show and why you just start to lose skepticism as you go deeper into this episode this series is because they did a great job in terms of pacing and character development the show is solely based on anthony mackie's character john doe which in the original series was a white guy like some generic bald-headed white guy kind of looks like vin diesel in some cases um that this was before twisted metal was way before the fast and the furious saga i will say this so um it was not that character was not based on vin diesel at all uh but they made anthony mackie the john doe character in this nev campbell who i thought was actually going to be callisto she's not she plays the character raven which is a character that premiered and debuted it on uh twisted metal black so a lot of the storylines here are mostly based on the twisted metal black game but we do have characters from pre uh, from previous twisted metal uh series and there are more characters that we're going to see when this series come back after the strike is ended hopefully they had so many fanfare things if you're if you're a fan of twisted metal you recognize a lot of the characters that they brought in here and a lot of the characters that we're going to see um it was just so awesome and again the idea that this was a comedy kind of threw us off and we a lot of us were skeptical about how they were doing adding you know bringing the comedy factor to something that was more like a psycho thriller <laughs> best but 
to the credit when you watch it yes there's comedy in here and anthony mackie is such a great comedic actor because we've seen him as falcon in this in, in, in this series of sam wilson in the marvel cinematic universe and papa doc on uh in uh in 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 what is that um eight mile but we also seen him working with seth rogan movies and whatnot too but i've watched him i before i even seen him in the seth rogan movie that christmas movie that seth rogan made um i got a chance to see him at a panel here in philadelphia with uh sebastian shaw and chris evans and my goodness can i say can i honestly say i didn't realize how funny anthony mackie really is because my first sight of him was papa doc and i was hating on him because on eight mile but this dude is so dope anthony mackie is one of the dopest actors out there man and for him to do what he did and first can i say also he really he really got into this character because i think he i think he legit gained weight to play this role like his idea was that i guess the idea was that you know this is a post-apocalyptic world that happened in the 90s and when this happened these guys are surviving it's survival at, uh, to the fittest and his character is like he's not trying to get in shape he's not trying to stay in shape he's trying to survive um he grew up alone as a kid his with his parents dying and him getting to some sort of amnesia to the point that he doesn't remember where he's from but he's only going by this one picture that he has but the picture doesn't have the it, it doesn't show the family that he's with so he, he 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 grew up with amnesia and this big lump in his head and he's been trying to survive ever since from people trying to you know kill him eat him steal from him whatnot and all he had to protect him was this car that he got what that he found like that he calls Evelyn because of the license place that he had. And he's been surviving on his own for 20 years into into adulthood and somehow learned knows how to drive. But didn't understand how he learned how to drive. So that plays into the factor of who is he really? And along the way he meets a lot of people including Sebastian uh Beatrice character uh Quiet who doesn't really talk or doesn't talk much because of what happened in her backstory and these two kind of had this budding relationship almost into going to a romantic relationship here um i don't want to spoil everything that happens here but they come across so many other characters on their way um but evelyn which he uh calls the car that he's with is the car that he rolled with since he was birthed so he has a big attachment to this car um and you could kind of understand where he's coming from in this whole thing so it, it's um it's crazy like and what i love about this film because it's on peacock much like bel-air there is no rating to this so there is a lot of f-bombing and sexual nature that as it should be because this is twisted metal and twisted metal has every bit as the nature that mortal Kombat has in here so you got all these really cool characters in here some familiar faces that you know from the comics I, uh, from the not the comics from the game including Agent Stone played by Thomas Hayden Church aka the Sandman people one of my favorite characters in the Marvel um in the in the uh, Spider-Man movies and he was awesome here too this version of uh Agent Stone was great which is kind of slightly different but 
kind of familiar from the uh, actual game. And they had his backstory to all the backstories, which is great. I mean, it, you, they played on the backstories in the same formula that Orange is the New Black did. And I think that's why it worked. And, and in fact, when you think about it, the whole entire formula of, of this show was a lot like Orange is the New Black. So Orange is the New Black had a lot of comedy, but it did have its serious tones as well. And he balanced it out greatly. And he did the same thing here. And reason why this was really successful is because the characters that they have in here are just ridiculously crazy and over the top, especially in when you're talking about Sweet Tooth. And that was the one character you had to get right because Sweet Tooth is the is 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 the iconic character of this deal sweet tooth is sort of a he's a psychotic crazy there's no other way to say it the dude has flames in his head he feels no pain but even he has a backstory of how he became who he was and they showed it here there was also the situation of who played sweet tooth and it was a tag team effort on behalf of will arnett who played the voice of of uh sweet tooth while one of my all-time favorite actors oh, let me repeat that actors slash pro wrestlers played the role of sweet tooth somebody i had the chance of meeting way back in 2003 when i went to go see him in ROH, Ring of Honor in Philadelphia at the Murphy Rec Center. And that is Samoa Joe, AKA Joe Sanoa, who, my God, I saw this dude when he was wrestling for like maybe 40 to 100 bucks in South Philly. I was there when he won the Ring of Honor championship. Now this dude has wrestled in WWE, NXT, around the world, in Japan, and now we're seeing him taking on acting roles. He's now King Shark. And now he's Sweet Tooth. And these two work together to play this character. I will still say, regardless of what I'm about to say, I still say, if you heard Samoa Joe's voice, and you know how charismatic Samoa, Samoa, uh, Samoa Joe is, especially when he's ready to play King Shark on a Suicide Squad game, you know he could have pulled this character off himself. With that said, we know how awesome Will Arnett is. And those two together pulled this off so freaking good to the point that like, you know, it's these two people, but when you're hearing them perform with Joe doing the body, uh, the, do, performing the body language and Will Arnett doing the voice, it really shows how awesome both of these guys are. And I am so glad that they gave Joe Sanoa his props and actually they even said Samoa Joe it did they didn't say Joe Sanoa they said Samoa Joe because they recognized him as the wrestler it was awesome it was fantastic kudos to them for giving him credit for his work because he knocked it out the park will or not of course as always knocks it out the park this was a great up for Samoa Joe this was Joe Joe did an awesome job here we also got to see Chloe Feynman as uh, Mary, who's an, another uh, memorable, great character in the Twisted Metal universe. Um, man, just just so much great stuff. But I got to give much props to Raven. Nev Campbell. I, 
we've seen Nev Campbell perform before, and you know she's awesome in um, the Scream series, of course, and all that. But man, her playing Raven, really, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it because she was so evil, so deceptive, so conniving, and cutthroat in here. Uh, I thought she did a tremendous job. It was it was just awesome here. Um, also want to point out that uh, the characters Mike and what is his name? God, because they don't have him on the IMDb uh, deal here. And he's such a prominent character in the series. Let me see if they can find him. I don't think I can. Uh, they set him up so bad. Stu, there he is. Um, Mike Mitchell. <laughs> Mike Mitchell and uh, Taj Vaughn play Mike and Stu, who are actual characters in the uh, universe. They are like a tag team uh, writing group. And they were awesome here. They, they kind of played to the characteristics of the characters in the game and they wind up somehow surviving Sweet Tooth throughout this whole entire thing. At least I think they did <laughs> in here. But in terms of the stories, each episode was fantastic. We got some great funny episodes and we got some really hard episodes, especially when it came to uh, Quiet and John Doe, them connecting with each other and you know, trying to find some type of bond with each other. And there were some really dramatic, hard, you know, backstories that they had together. And there were some really good, uh, you know, hot and heavy moments with them as well. I thought everybody did their part. I thought the writing was great. The story was great. And all through the story is like, okay, we've done really well with you know, live adaptations of certain games and, 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 sh and shows based on anime lately. And, and of course, comic book movies. The whole point of Twisted Metal is Calypso inviting certain people to this tournament. We don't hear about the tournament at all throughout the entire show. But at the same time, we're like, if we're patiently sitting back looking at this, like, okay, all 10 episodes are here. Are there actually, is there actually a tournament? We do get an episode where we get the introduction of Callisto. We don't see who Callisto is, but we hear him, which means they already casted who Callisto is. But we find out that this whole entire season is a slow pace backstory leading in to the coming of this tournament. So this was a prelude series uh, season. We got to get to know John Doe, who was trying, who is delivering this package to Callisto in order to, you know, um, to retrieve um, this this package back for, to Raven. He has to survive New Chicago in order to do it. So he ends up doing that, but we find out that is not that the package was not nothing more than like ice cream. <laughs> It was nothing more than freaking ice cream, okay? Um, but it was nothing more than a test. And Raven offered John Doe a chance to go into New San Francisco, which is like this paradise, you know, this this you know, really closed bubble away from all of the apocalyptic crap that's going on and the poverty that's going on outside of that. But inside, it's like everything what somebody would want. Everything that they want in there, like paradise air food real food you know they're not surviving off of dog food or anything like that they're eating real food and whatnot um resources are really high in this place and he wanted to go there but he met 
Quiet. He fell in love with Quiet. Quiet is not allowed to be in there. Raven set this dude up majorly, almost in the same way Callisto would do it. But there's a bigger agenda for uh, Raven. Raven not only gets this, the part is going to be spoiled. So if you didn't get a chance to watch this series right now, I'm telling you, don't listen. Watch the series. Come back. Raven finally gives John Doe what he wants. Not only a home, but his home. Apparently, he's always lived in New San Francisco. She directed him to the house. Finds out. And then on top of that, she knows about his identity. She gives him all of the knows about his identity. Turns out John Doe doesn't care about it. That's not his past anymore. He's created a new uh, life for himself. He wants to do it and he wants to do it with quiet. So if quiet couldn't, he couldn't enjoy quiet with him in that new area, then he doesn't want to be a part of it. Unfortunately, he has no choice because Raven just set him up to be a part of a tournament held by Callisto consisting of a whole horde of people familiar people from the twisted metal world including i forgot the dude's name but it's the dude with the two big wheels bolted he they're doing it <laughs> the final episode is very satisfactory this this was this was kind of like the moment when we found out that that um noah is going to become a member of gi joe and join up with transformers it was kind of that type of vibe because now we fans got what they want we now realize that this whole entire season was a prelude to what we really want and that's the twisted metal tournament and it's coming so if we get a season two i pray we get a season two i love this series so much and how they put this all together i love this series so much that i if i do have to pay a fee for peacock i'm gonna watch this series i'm gonna pay to watch this series it is worth if any reason to get peacock this is one of them this i would say i would say bel-air is also another good one too and uh yeah the movie selections that they have and the exclusive you know stuff that they have in there is uh worth having too and plus the continental series that they have them based on john wick will be on there too so like i said in the beginning of the show they're building their value for peacock they're finally gaining some value of something worth watching on this platform twisted metal is well worth going out of your way to check out if you're a fan of the series if you've been wondering if this series is worth it i am i am here to tell you as skeptical as i was going in because of the idea that this was going to be a comedy this series blew me the hell away and i will say this much like i said about cobra kai this series has no business being this damn good in a kind and and a lot of it has to do with the actors and the writing and the production the production value as well a lot of great stories coming out is even if it's just for a month because all 10 episodes are available now even if just to, for a month, just to watch it, go get Peacock and go watch this series. You will not be disappointed. And you may have a reason to want to go back and check it out. So I'm giving this series an absolute A, an absolute solid A. I didn't even see any 
to, I didn't see anything that like threw me off in terms of flaws or anything or anything that didn't make me feel like this wasn't twisted metal there was a lot of this that felt like twisted metal even though there wasn't no tournament that they were going after trust me when i tell you this is awesome i cannot wait cannot wait to find out who the hell calypso who's playing calypso who is the voice behind calypso who's playing it i cannot wait to see the actual tournament go off this was a great prelude to this and a great follow-up and a great way to you know get used to these characters by the way quiet even though she's not in new san francisco she is now well she's not even a milkman now she's like a um she they were going to make her the new milkman but no she's now robbing milkman and making sure that everybody who never got you know she's becoming the robin hood of this you know era so somehow some way john doe and quiet are going to find themselves back together and uh that's where i see this going and i'm looking forward to seeing other characters and of course sweet tooth as well they did all of this justice i did not Think they were going to be able to pull this off but they did and they did so so great go find out and check this out right now it's on peacock folks that will do it for this edition of talk time live i hope you guys enjoyed this in every episode if you're new thank you for being a part of this uh great show that i do this very fun show that i do uh next week i mentioned this i'm going to review teenage mutant ninja turtles mute mayhem which is coming out wednesday so i'll get to check that out um I may have a review to do this week, so stay tuned for that. Um, man, there's so much going on coming down on the line here, and we're just counting down to October where New York Comic Con is coming, so stay tuned for that and much, much more. And uh, anything changes on New York Comic Con, I'll let you know, of course, here. We'll talk about it here because the writers and the, um, and the actor strike is going on, but I don't know if that's going to affect New York Comic Con because they're not going to be new york comic-con doesn't have it where they're promoting anything new i mean last year they, the, the biggest thing that was ever that was promoted last year was the super mario brothers movie and jack black was there promoting that um this year i don't think there's anything remotely so the actors that they will acquire will be just actors talking about what they have done in prior movies like chris evans where you know he's captain he's not captain america anymore the only thing we're going to want to talk about is him and captain america in the marvel cinematic universe so We'll talk about, we'll see what happens with that. But I, the actors that are going to be there are actors that have already done the work and are not promoting anything new and upcoming. So like the Guardians of the Galaxy characters may actually still be able to do their thing. I, you know, I don't know. Um, but if I think it will be a smart move, Sack after. And I, I would, if I were them, I would actually just make it a way to not only just talk about the accomplishments that they've already done, but talk about why it was so worth it and why the SAG after striking and Writers Guild of America, you know, is it, why is it important? Like make it an agenda, but SAG after should be there too. I, you know, just like they were in San Diego Comic-Con. Let them, I'm all for it. Let's do it. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what's gonna happen with this. So this is gonna be probably one of the most unique New York Comic-Cons to date. And I'm, I'm just, I can't wait. So. If you like this episode and every episode of Talk Time Live, you can always check out this episode and never miss a beat on the official website of Talk Time Live, and that is talktimelive.com. That was almost a drinking game in a sense because I said Talk Time Live so much. You can check out all of our audio episodes, our video exclusives in there with some of the best in all things anime, comics, movies, and games, as well as other content. 
And if you want to subscribe and download to your favorite podcast platform, we're everywhere podcasts are played. That is including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, you name it, we are there. Thank you guys again. It's always been a pleasure and it always will be a pleasure to do this show and to talk with you and get to know every one of you when the time comes. But this is what we're here for. We're here to celebrate our favorite fandoms at our best. That'll do it for me, folks. On behalf of myself, this is Dak Xavier Josiah saying learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week, people. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.